coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And if you're speaking the truth, he will be your partner to change your spouse. If it's not true, it doesn't need to be enforced. To see those things in your marriage, to recognize that when you do see fear in your spouse, or if you do see, you know, maybe the anger, you know, go a little deeper, you know, get past yourself enough to think, you know, wonder what's triggering this in him. Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it is she angry because her feelings are hurt, or are you dominant because you're fearing losing control? talking about how to be in an emotionally healthy marriage, an emotionally healthy relationship. And in healthy relationships, you don't control each other. Now, when Karen and I got married, I controlled her. I mean, I was a very controlling, dominating husband. Uh, we were on the brink of divorce. It ruined our marriage. And it always does. Control is simply not of God. But in Genesis chapter 3, you know, Adam and Eve sinned. And God created them perfect and put them in a garden of Eden. Uh, The word Eden means pleasure and delight. God created marriage to bless us. God created marriage to be a place of pleasure and delight. And as long as Adam and Eve were submitted to God, they lived in a beautiful paradise. That's what their marriage was. But the devil tempted them and they rebelled. And when they rebelled, God cursed them. And God said to Adam, it's not going to be easy on you anymore, Adam. You lived in a paradise and you didn't have to work. But now it's going to be by the sweat of your brow that you get everything that you get. Then God came to Eve. This is Genesis 3.16. And here is the curse. This is the New English translation. And here is the curse that God pronounced over Eve whenever she fell. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your labor pains. With pain, you will give birth to children. You will want to control your husband but he will dominate you. Now, this is not about women because uh, domination and control is gender neutral. There are as many controlling men as there are women. But what God is doing here is he's declaring a curse now now that they rebelled. And let me give you a, a paraphrase, the King Jimmy version of that scripture there. God says to Eve, when there was only one God in the garden, things were very peaceful. When I was God and you and Adam were under my authority, it was very peaceful. But now that there's three of us, it's going to be a fight. Now that you've decided to be your own gods, now that you are no longer under my authority, you're going to try to see who can have authority over the other. And you're going to want to control Adam, but he's going to dominate you. It's a cat fight with no decided winner. And so that is the curse that happened because of the rebellion of man against God. And let me say very clearly, and I'll say this at the end of the message, the cure for control and domination is to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, to come back under the authority that Adam and Eve rebelled against. And so God curses control. Wherever you find a relationship where there's control, is gonna be cursed there. So why do we control? Let's talk about the causes of control. Why do people control each other? One is pride. We just believe that we're better. Um, I grew up in a family system, not so much my father, but my grandfather and a lot of our family, the men were chauvinist. Um, And we believed that we were better than women. When I married Karen, I just believed that men were better than women. I I just did. Um, And I thought, and Karen, I just thought Karen doesn't train very well. Uh, Karen's not like the other female relatives that were just real sweet and did what the men said. 
and it's just going to take me a little while to train her. And uh, she did not train well at all. And uh, finally, one day, the Lord broke through my heart and said to me, she's your equal. And, um, and I sinned. Uh, chauvinism is a sin. It is a sin for men to believe they're better than women or women to believe they're better than men. And uh, we're equal. In Christ, there's neither male or female, and men and women are absolutely equal in the sight of God. And men and women, husbands and wives are totally equal. But you realize that uh, uh, a lot of people just believe for some reason that they have some kind of a divine right to dominate somebody else because they're better, but we're not. The second reason is deception. Uh, there are teachings that teach that men are better than women and that men, that women should submit to men in the sense that men are better than women, biblically. It's wrong teaching. Everywhere I go, as, as often as I can, I teach that we're equals because we are. And the only way you're going to have a satisfactory marriage is, is to be equals. And if men are the head of the home, if they are the head of the home, they're there to sacrificially serve their wives as Jesus does with themselves being the last consideration, with the husband being the last consideration if we're the head of the home. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with that. Women don't mind that. Another reason that we dominate is because of an unsubmitted, unsanctified cleric personality. Cleric means strong. And there are some of you that you're just strong. You're, you're strong people. You're, I'm, I'm that way. I have a naturally strong personality. And I like to lead. I like to make decisions. I've never been insecure in that. But, but the problem is when that's unsanctified. So when, when Karen and I first got married, I had a strong personality, but it wasn't, it wasn't submitted to God. And it wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit gives us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. When the Holy Spirit, my personality, when it's baptized in the Holy Spirit, it becomes kind and good. And my strength is there to benefit other people, not to dominate other people. But some people, and there are just as many strong women as strong men, but some people that have strong personalities um, feel like that they, you know, it gives them the right to dominate others. Let, let me say this. We, we marry according to our level of emotional health. Health marries health, and unhealth marries unhealth. This is my man hand. This is my woman hand. I had very high self-esteem. Never had a struggle with self-esteem growing up, but I had too high of self-esteem. Karen had extremely low self-esteem, and so we were a match because we accommodated each other. She needed my strength because she has such low self-esteem. She needed someone with confidence and I was so arrogant, I needed someone who would allow that. Okay, so did it work? It was a nightmare. We got married, and Karen resented the fact that I dominated her, and I disrespected her because she was so weak. And so what happened was, and, and by the way, I was this, you always marry according to your level of emotional health. Health marries health, unhealth marries unhealth. So women who are very strong will typically find a real sweet, quiet man that puts up with it. And they're disrespect. They don't. It doesn't work because she disrespects him. She doesn't respect him because he's weak, and he doesn't respect her because he feels emasculated. So this doesn't work. So we got married, and Karen was the one who started to get healed. She began to pray. She began to spend time with God, and she began to stand up to me. And I thought, you don't do that to me, girl. And you, she did this. Well, it, what happens is like a teeter totter. When the other person over here changes, the equation changes. So when Karen began to stand up, it forced, it, she was trying to force me. She just walked up to me and said, don't talk to me like that. And I think, you don't talk to me like that. Women don't talk to men like that. When I'm upset, my voice goes up. You can cut, so, you don't talk. So, 
I just thought, what, what do you think you're doing standing up to me like that? Well, she did this. She was healthy. She was standing up to me. And so I told her to get out of the house. The, the, the night she stood up to me related to golfing. I'd been golfing and I came in and she told me, I want you to be home. I want you to be with the kids. I want you to stop playing golf so much. And I just told her, you get out. You'll pack your bags and get out. And that was the night that the Lord broke through my heart. But understand this, this, we were here. You, you may be in a marriage and you're here, okay? You, you can change. In fact, let me say, by this time next week, you'll be fine. It's not that hard. This is not, you know, set in concrete. So let me say, so how does it change? The dominant person just has to sit down. You just have to decide, I don't want to dominate people anymore. This doesn't work. This, this just isn't working. The, this person really is pretty easy to change because they're so strong-willed. And so what I say to, to dominant people like me is get over yourself, sit down, start, start listening, start seeking other people's opinions, stop being so dominant and all that. So sit down. This person needs to stand up. Okay. So, uh, in our case, Karen started standing up to me. God humbled me and I began to sit down. And so we, you know, we were like this and now we're here because Karen dominates me. She's way too healed. I've asked Jesus to take away some of her healing. I want her like here, but the sister's way too healed. So, but it just simply doesn't work. So if you have a strong personality and you may be raising children and you notice that you have a son or a daughter that has a strong personality, teach them to respect other people and teach them not to use their strength to disrespect and control other people. Because they'll never be successful in a relationship if they do. Uh, another reason that we control is fear or feeling out of control. Uh, the most dominant people I've ever met are fearful people, the period, period. In marriage counseling, when I find people who are very, very controlling, and I'm telling you, you can't believe, I could tell you stories, I, you couldn't believe uh, the level of control that I've seen, almost criminal, almost kidnapping kind of control of one person absolutely dominating every aspect of another person's life. Okay, so. Here's a, an excerpt from a book called The Gift of Fear. And this book is about control. And in fact, a lot of it is about predatory criminals. Another characteristic common to predatory criminals and many other people as well is their perceived need to be in control. Think of someone you know who you might call a control freak. That person, like most violent people, grew up in a chaotic, violent, or addictive home. At a minimum, it was not a home where, it was a home where parents did not act consistently and reliably where love was uncertain or conditional. For him or her, controlling others became the only certain way to predict their behavior. And so when a person grows up in chaos or pain, many times they'll make an inner vow. They'll make an inner vow like this. No one will ever control me again. No one will ever hurt me again. Those are very dangerous. We do that to comfort ourselves. We don't do it because we're evil. We do it to comfort ourselves that ends up being extremely, extremely problematic later on. The, the last is simply not trusting God with our lives and the people, problems and issues of our lives. Not trust, and this is the big one. When you don't trust God to, to, with people, you end up trying to be God in, those, in that person's life. Let me say this about Karen, or if you're married. There are, there are things about Karen I just can't change. I can go to Karen and I can say, Karen, this and this and this, but... Uh, you know, sometimes she doesn't see it, you know, or, or she'll say something to me. So in marriage, I have to go get in my prayer closet when I'm praying and say, Lord, if what I'm saying to Karen is the truth, would you change her? 
would you show her? If you're submitted to a boss or something like that, and you have to, you have to trust God to change someone's heart. You, you, if, and if you don't trust God, you're going to naturally try to manipulate, intimidate, or dominate other people simply to get the result you want rather than, than trusting God. So let me talk about breaking the curse of control, and I'm finished. How do you break out of the curse of control? Number one is submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We ha- and, and I'm talking about as a married couple, Karen and I make every decision in our home together. You can't find one decision in the Evans household that we didn't make as a team. We talk, we're, and what I'm saying is, is we don't butt heads because we're both submitted to Jesus. I'm not trying to impose my will on Karen. Karen isn't trying to impose her will on me. We're trying to find the will of God. We are both submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Karen and I never talk about who the boss in our home is because Jesus Christ is the boss in our home. It's not Jimmy or Karen, it's Jesus Christ. And so how do we make decisions? First of all, we don't make each other pay a price for being honest. And if Karen walks up to me and says, Jimmy, you know, I'm thinking about doing this in the kitchen, what do you think? And I say, Karen, I don't agree with that. She doesn't say, well, I hope you're fine with eating out for a week or two. Don't beg me to cook for you in my kitchen. I don't like, you know. So you're not going to pay a price for disagreeing. Okay, so number one, I invite you to speak. Second thing, we're going to pray. If this is a significant decision, we're going to pray. We're going to both hear God. I will not make a decision without Karen Evans. Why? Because she's my partner. We're better together. I have half the brain. She has half the brain. Together, we have a whole brain. Number two way that you break the curse of control is being humble and having a servant heart toward other people. Just, you have to be humble and be a servant. You can't, you can't lord over other people. God doesn't give us that right. It's cursed. And God loves us. We're on our way to heaven. But I'm telling you, it, it, God will never bless that. Number three, communicating our needs, desires, and problems with others and then trusting the results to God or those in authority. Is it, it, women and men are equal. You have every right to say what you say to your spouse. But here's the million-dollar question. Who's the enforcer, you or the Holy Spirit? And see, when we cross the line as husbands or wives is when I'm the enforcer. And I, I said something to you. What we should do is say it to our spouse. Now, if it's destructive behavior, you have to take it to another level. When you love a person, you don't watch him self-destruct. So if it's self-destructive behavior is hurting other people, you have to ramp it up, get some intervention, do something. But I'm talking about ordinary behavior. You go to your spouse and say this and this and this, and they say, ah, I don't agree with that. Go get in your prayer closet and seek Jesus on them. Okay, listen to me. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And if you're speaking the truth, he will be your partner to change your spouse. If it's not true, it doesn't need to be enforced. And there is that fractional, fractional possibility that you could be wrong. I know it's almost impossible, but it's possible. So you have to be careful. Here's number four. How do you break out of this? Righteously standing up to dominating and controlling people and not allowing them to abuse or dominate us. And if you've been controlled or dominated for a while, you have to flex that muscle. You have to flex the muscle of standing up righteously, not in a bad way, but Karen began to stand up to me. What do you mean? You won't talk to me like that. Don't talk to me like that. Don't talk to me like that. You can insist on respect. Don't talk to me like that. No, no. My voice is going up. When I get upset, my voice goes up. Don't talk to me like that. You can can insist on respect. 
And a lot of times the, the reason that people control us is we let them. And they, they, uh, over a period of time, they, they understand we're not going to say anything. We're not going to do anything. People should know, especially if they abuse us, it ain't going to happen. I'm not a doormat. You're not going to treat me like that. And I'm not going to treat you like that, but I'm not going to let you walk all over me, but I'm going to be righteous about it. And number five, this is the last one, and I'm done. Submitting to each other in the fear of God. This is what Ephesians 5 says when it talks about the most revelatory text in the world concerning marriage is found in Ephesians 5. And it says, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Then it tells women how to submit to men. Then it tells men how to submit to women. A lot of times people will read Ephesians 5 and they think it's only talking to women. It's talking to men and women saying, submit to one another in the fear of God. And what that means is both being, we ought to be very respectful to one another. We ought to treat each other with great respect. And so here's what I'm saying to you. In an emotionally healthy relationship, there's not control. There's respect. And we respect each other. And we talk to each other in respectful ways. And because of that, we gain trust. You trust me because you know I'm going to speak the truth to you, but I'm going to do it righteously, and I'm not going to try to enforce it. And there's trust. There's intimacy. There's goodwill. Well, this program, we're talking about breaking the curse of control in marriage. We're really talking about emotionally healthy marriages. But one of the things, Karen, that affects, I think, three-quarters of marriages uh, is the issue of control. Mm -hmm. One person in the marriage is controlling the other person. This was me. Uh, When we first got married, I was very dominant. Uh, You were, uh, you had low self-esteem. Uh, self-hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were kind of beaten down, in, but I was very dominant, very strong personality, but mm-hmm. it didn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it never works. <laughs> uh, and there are women, there are just as many dominant women as men, mm-hmm. but you were uh, compliant, but you didn't like it. Right. Well, something that I'm, you know, curious about because um, as, as a person that is that, had that, because you're not that way anymore, you know, you're totally healed. You know, what can you remember back what really caused you to want to be that way? I mean, what was the driving force behind that kind of personality? Well, I think fear yeah. was part of it. You know, I just I had a lot of fear, um, and I wanted you to do what I wanted you to do because I had fear of, mm-hmm. of uh, you know, rejection, fear of failure, fear of exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, all, all that fear that I had. But the other part of it was chauvinism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a... Um, chauvinistic kind of a, a view of women mm-hmm. at that point. And I think selfishness. I think some people are just very domineering just because they're so selfish mm-hmm. and sensitive. But they're, but I think that's the reason that, that I was that way. Well, how did it make you feel when I was that way? Well, at the beginning, I didn't understand that it was wrong because, you know, yeah. like you said before, I, I was raised with strong, dominant parents and both of them were very strong. And, and so when you would, you know, talk to me in that, for, I, you know, I put up with it. But then, you know, because like you're saying about the emotional health, you know, it stirs things up in you um, that you don't like. And so I would get so angry. And I think, why am I so angry? You know, because you were trying to control something in me that I had no, I couldn't help myself, you know, and I'd get so frustrated because it's just like, you know, you've hurt my feelings. And so, you know, my, I backlashed with anger because my feelings were hurt, where when you get your feelings hurt, you get more controlling, right. you know, and exactly. more, you know, dominant. And so 
you know, to, to, to see those things in your marriage, to recognize that when you do see fear in your spouse, or if you do see, you know, maybe the anger, you know, go a little deeper, you know, get past yourself enough to think, you know, wonder what's triggering this in him. Mm-hmm. You know, is it, is it, is she angry because her feelings are hurt? Or are you dominant because you're fearing losing control? Well, Karen, you, you began to get healed. The Lord, in, in the, what you did that was so great in our marriage, rather than attacking me, you just went to God and said, fix me. Mm-hmm. Well, as he did, you began to get healthy and just naturally began to stand up to me. Not in a bad way, but just mm-hmm. you, you were healthy. Well, that rocked my world mm-hmm. because it just... I was like, hey, you don't talk back to me. <laughs> but you weren't talking back. You were just standing up. Well, what happens, though, ultimately, if you're going to have a good marriage and be healthy, the dominant person has to sit down. And it really just means repenting mm-hmm. of being selfish, of being chauvinistic or sexist. And mm-hmm. sit down means I'm going to treat you as an equal. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make decisions without mm-hmm. you. And I'm not going to bully you into making decisions mm-hmm. and doing things my way. But this person has to stand up. Mm-hmm. You have to become a partner in the relationship. And some people, not you, Karen, mm-hmm. but some people are so emotionally lazy. They have been here for so long mm-hmm. that they they really... Even though they resent being treated uh, with disrespect, they really like other people making decisions so they don't have to. I remember just the gymnastics mentally that I was always doing because, you know, your, your, uh, personality was so forceful on me. It was always me trying to figure out what do I need to do. And then I'd get alone and the mental torment that I felt of, you know, just so awful. It had, cause you, how you made me feel. Right. And so I just remember, you know, finally just thinking, I don't want to feel this way anymore. And like no. you said, I went to God to heal me first because I really got tired of just that torment of, you know, the mental, you know, uh, up and down that I was feeling all the time. Well, that's fantastic. Well, really and truly, you can be healed this, this program today is about breaking the curse of control, and it comes from the series of Emotionally Healthy Marriage. Hope this has been helpful to you today. Want you to become a partner. If you're not a monthly partner, we want you to join the thousands of people that support us every single month to help us to do what we do. We call them our rock-solid partners. They are incredible people. Thank you if you're a partner. If you're not a partner, here's how you can become one.